The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Therapeutic Approach to Growth with your host, Brooke Wagner. Each week, this program will focus on interests and expertise pertaining to special needs individuals and their families. We'll help you open up and connect while sharing powerful information. Now, here is Brooke Wagner. Welcome, everyone, to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. I am host, Brooke Wagner. Our goal of the show is to offer support, resources, and most importantly, hope to the special needs community. And today I have with me licensed speech and language pathologist and RDI program certified consultant, Gail Ludwig. And we will be taking a closer look at experience-based and relationship-focused speech therapy and how it is used to support young children with developmental delays. So welcome, Gail. Thanks, Brooke. I'm really happy to be here with you today to share Yes, we're really excited to talk about this important topic, and um, it's something that's really unique to what we offer here at TAG and um, something that we really value here, and so I'm excited to share more information. And um, before we get into uh, the speech therapy topic, let's spend a little time sharing a little bit about your background. Well, I've been a speech therapist for 33 years, and I started working in hospitals, Um, back, gosh, I guess it was the 1980s, (laughs) and uh, always thought that I wanted to work with the adult population in hospitals, and over the years, I started working with younger and younger people until this point in my career where I have preschoolers on my caseload. Mm-hmm. So it's been a very interesting journey. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, what I love about your background, Gail, is that you have the RDI piece in addition to the speech therapy, and um, you have that RDI training. So um, I know that's kind of that's heavily influenced your speech therapy program. So let's talk a little bit about how your RDI training has done so and what that looks like in your speech therapy practice. Well, first and foremost, I focus much more on the relationship now than in on my client's performance. So I work on building trust with my client and that motivates them to communicate with me. And so my priority is to build a relationship. And after that relationship is established, there's much more of a back and forth between the client and myself, which is really what true communication is all about. It's very different than the way I used to practice, which was focused on my client's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, a, probably a really good example is when I was first going through RDI training and I was working with an adult And I had different foods on index cards. I think I had gotten them out of like a gardening magazine or something. And it used to be 
my old way of doing things, I would present each card to my client and they would tell me what the food was or share something about the food. Mm -hmm. And once I started doing RDI and I realized the importance of the back and forth, we would take turns. Mm -hmm. I would take an index card and share, let's say it was corn and I might share that I really liked corn on the cob and I especially liked it with butter and salt. And then I would pause to see what my client would have to say about corn. And then I would give them a turn to pick a card and share. So it was so much more about sharing and my saying something and then the client saying something rather than just being focused on my client's what we would call verbal formulation or word retrieval skills. Mm -hmm. And probably one of the biggest discoveries I made early on was that it took the pressure off of the client. Mm -hmm. The client was no longer feeling like he or she had to perform for me, but it was much more authentic and natural to have that back and forth conversation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that example. And I think that really ties into um, some of the topics we touched on in our RDI uh, episode where we talked about that intrinsic motivation. And when you take that demand off of the child, you're really seeing that intrinsic motivation come alive and you're seeing them want to communicate more and it's really an authentic thought of their own as opposed to something that they feel like they're having to produce. Exactly. So it's not that I'm no longer focused on having an expectation of what the client should say. Mm -hmm. It's more, I want to know what the child is thinking. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Or the adult is thinking, because I do work with adults as well. Absolutely. That's so wonderful and that it's really respecting their perspective and their values and their opinions and showing them that it is important to have an opinion and to share their thoughts in your sessions. And I can see how that really works on developing that relationship and that trust between you and your clients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things I think would be really important to touch on is the difference between speech and communication. Well, it fits right in with what we were just talking about. Because with focusing on having a child talk, it's more about teaching them vocabulary, teaching them words to say in specific situations rather than giving the them the opportunity to truly communicate. So, for example, if you're working on speech, you might teach a child to say, hi, or how are you, or nice to see you. And with communication, it's very different. We might just indirectly support that child to think about what they want to say instead of teaching them what to say. Mm -hmm. So, for example, instead of saying to the child, say hi, say how are you, we would say, oh, so-and-so just said hi to you, or I think so-and-so wants to talk to you. And that would give the child the opportunity to respond in his or her own way mm -hmm. instead of a scripted way. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that you're giving the children opportunities to think 
um, that you're giving them um, an opportunity to process dynamically um, rather than statically learning uh, a script or a set of words to say. Um, that they're really having to process that what does that mean when you give them that indirect cue and then having to scan their environment and see what that could mean and then respond accordingly. Right, because, you know, you can't teach a child everything to say in every situation. Right. Because we do live in a dynamic world. And it's so much more about teaching that child and giving that child the confidence that they're going to be able to communicate. I focus a lot on helping a child be a competent communicator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that one of the big pieces um, that would... Uh, an essential element to being a competent communicator is nonverbal communication and being able to not only process it and understand it, but use it to communicate. So let's spend some time talking about the difference between nonverbal and verbal communication. Well, first of all, nonverbal communication is said to be 70 to 80% of our communication. Mm -hmm. And I will frequently, when I'm giving a presentation or talking with parents, I will frequently turn towards the wall and talk. Mm -hmm. And so I won't change anything else about my communication other than the fact that I'm turned towards the wall. And let that family think about, or whoever I'm talking to, think about, the difference. You know, they basically just probably think to themselves, she's really crazy. She, mm-hmm. What is she doing? Talking to a wall? Mm-hmm. But nothing has changed about my verbal communication. Right. It's just my orientation changed. Right. And it's so amazing how much meaning there is in the nonverbal. And it's something that parents frequently miss because they want their child to talk so badly. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, developmentally, we really need to work on nonverbal communication before verbal communication because that's what comes first in development. And so, there are many different types of nonverbal communication. One that we focus on a great deal is eye gaze mm-hmm. because a child gazes at his communicative partner for different reasons. He Mm -hmm. gazes in anticipation of something they might do or say. Mm -hmm. He gazes in response to being uncertain so that he can get guidance from the communicative partner, parent, teacher, what have you. They gaze in celebration Mm -hmm. when they're excited about something. And they often gaze for a parent's reaction. So not only is gazing important, but it's important to work on supporting a child to gaze for all of these different kinds of reasons. And also one that I didn't mention yet is gazing for help. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in a speech therapy program, children will be taught to ask for help, but they won't be taught to gaze for help. Mm -hmm. And actually developmentally, that's what comes first. It's not the talking. It's the gazing for help. And there are so many of my clients that will take my hand and move it in the direction of what they want me to help them with and never gaze at me. Mm-hmm. And it's just because they never learned. They never discovered the value in making that visual connection. Mm-hmm. And gazing is just one type of nonverbal communication. Um, 
pointing gestures, all kinds of gestures, head gestures, like I'm looking at you right now and you're nodding at me. Right. And I know that that means that you're understanding and relating to what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And if you might be sitting there having a confused look on your face or shaking your head, then I'm going to change what I'm saying to you and make it clarify or say, is something wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's all based on how you are responding to me Mm non-verbally. So if a child doesn't see meaning in non-verbal communication, he's going to miss out on so much of what his partner is trying to communicate. And of course, something that we really didn't even differentiate here is the difference between receptive language and expressive language. Mm -hmm. There's receptive nonverbal communication, which is what I was just describing, being able to pick up on your partner's nonverbal communication. Mm -hmm. And then there's your own expressive communication. I'm sitting here, nobody can see me, but I'm talking with my hands because that's Mm -hmm. another way we express ourselves is using our hands. Um, facial expressions. I haven't even mentioned facial expressions, which is a huge, well, I did. I mentioned the um, look of confusion, Mm -hmm. but there's also frowning, you know, looking surprised, a look of disgust or enjoyment. Mm -hmm. All of these are Mm nonverbal. They're not verbal. Mm -hmm. And it ties us or our clients to the emotional world that we live in. And if they miss all that, they're missing a huge piece of our emotional world. So maybe that was more than you bargained for, but that's a lot of information about nonverbal communication. No, I'm really glad you spent so much time on that topic because I think that it's something that can be overlooked and not valued as much as uh, verbal language. And I think that it's a huge piece to the puzzle and it's essential to really uh, focus on in a developmental manner, as you mentioned, uh, so that we're laying that foundation for development. And we know that in that first year of life, infants, uh, you know, spend their whole year studying and analyzing all of those nonverbal channels of communication uh, before real language comes. And, and there's a reason for that developmental pathway. And it's essential that uh, that be set up properly with our clients as well. And something that isn't going to necessarily just fall into place without uh, supportive therapy. I can't tell you how many clients I've worked with that are highly verbal. And this really pertains to the clients that have autism, where they get so stuck in that verbal channel. They're only receiving information from people they're talking to verbally. And they are only using the verbal channel and they're missing all of the nonverbal channels, Mm -hmm. which means they miss out on so much communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting you mentioned that because I was just watching a trailer this morning on a a new TV show about adults with Asperger's called The Emotional Life. And the adult was talking about how he's not processing people's emotions and he wants to so badly, but he's just not able to process and make sense of it. And that's exactly what's happening is that that breakdown is is apparent to him that he can't understand the emotional, uh, you know, facial expressions that he's experiencing. Right. Probably because he's never paid attention to them. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's it's something that he wants, but he just doesn't have. And so that's something that, you know, is why those that's the reason why we focus on those areas so heavily. Oh, absolutely. So and it's neat to see that it, it can be done. 
and that our clients can really integrate the information and see nonverbal communication as a valuable uh, form of communication um, through your therapy. So I want to make sure that we touch on that um, and st- and start you know talking a little bit about how you work on nonverbal communication with your clients. Well, I want to share about that, but I also want to say that must have been about a year ago. Um, when I was consulting at a day program and the director, I had an idea about working on nonverbal communication with a client and this client had autism and the director said to me, well, isn't that just the way they are? Mm -hmm. That that's just not something that they process and that they're not going to gaze at you because they have autism. And it made me feel really sad. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how many other people, good people out there feel that way. That, you know, they just think, oh, that's the way the person is. And they don't realize that we can work on these things Mm -hmm. and that we can help individuals make discoveries about the importance of nonverbal communication and the meaning of nonverbal communication. No, Mm -hmm. it's not just the way a person is. We want to give people a second chance And it's Mm -hmm. interesting that I was going to talk a lot about young children, but here I am talking about the whole spectrum of all people that I work with. Right, right. And I think it's it's a natural process because we do care so much about all of our clients, you know, whether they're young or old, and that it's possible to support all ages. Yes. And it's possible to really give them opportunities for growth, even if they are adults. So as much as we'll stick to young children today, it's going to naturally come up. Because I'm sure it will. <laughs> you're very passionate about all ages um, and supporting them. So, um yeah, so let's think a little bit about some examples um, of ways that we you know, work on nonverbal communication with your clients. Okay. Um, eye gaze is a huge one, and I know I mentioned that already, but supporting a child to gaze at the person they're communicating with is so huge. And simple things like just tossing a ball back and forth. Mm-hmm. holding on to that ball until the child gazes at me before I throw the ball back to them mm-hmm. helps them realize that they can gaze and make that visual connection in the anticipation of my next action. And I love that you're not um, necessarily uh, prompting them directly. You're giving them opportunities to process. So, Oh, no, I wait. Um, yeah, and that's, that is a huge way of making a discovery um, for our clients. And so um, we're going to go ahead and go to a commercial break, but I want to come back and talk more about this topic and give some more examples. So um, with that, we'll take a few-minute break. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. 
Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also reach Brooke Wagner via email to bwagner at tagforgrowth.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Uh, Brooke Wagner here, host, and I have Gail Ludwig with me, a a licensed uh, speech and language pathologist, and before the break, we were talking a little bit about some examples of ways that Gail works on nonverbal communication and with her clients. And so I wanted to uh, spend a little bit of time giving a few more examples of um, some other uh, examples of ways you do so. Okay. Well, and you know, we, since we were talking about gazing, eye gaze, I want to give one more example about eye gazing, and that is gazing for help because it is so important for children to learn to look to a person for help. Um, And so oftentimes I will present a child with something that I know they need a little bit of help with. So maybe we'll be working on a puzzle together. And so I will be handing the child puzzle pieces so that there's that connection between me and the child. We each have a role. And then the child will be trying to put the puzzle piece in the puzzle. And if he can't, I won't automatically help him. I will wait until he gazes at me. I might even say I can help you if they need that support, but I'm going to wait until the child gazes at me. And if I need to, I'll get closer to that child. I'll even get in that child's face Mm -hmm. if I need to do that. But I'm going to wait until that child gazes at me. Oh, that's wonderful. And again, I think that touches on the the topic we mentioned, that you're giving them opportunities to think and to grow um, based on the situation and what they're being presented with. Right. And the other example I wanted to give was one way we work on facial expressions. Um, I will frequently either have something to taste. I'll use senses and we'll either have something to taste or smell. And we might take turns tasting or smelling items, whether they be spices or different sauces or what have you. And after I taste it, I might even have the child take the spoon and give me a little taste because that gives the connection again between the child and me. Um, It allows us to create a shared focus. And that's a whole other topic, that importance of having a shared focus, because you can't do anything with the child unless the child is focused on the same thing you're, you're focused on. So to help the child be focused on me, I would have them give me a taste of something and then show my facial expression of whether I liked it or not. Either one of disgust or one of, mmm, to show that this is delicious. Mm -hmm. And then I may give the child a taste of something and wait until he shares. And I may even set it up and say, we're not going to talk. We're just going to show each other. 
Mm-hmm. And that's perfect. That really sets the stage for what the focus is on, right? Um, which is so in, uh, essential and what we're trying to achieve here. Um, I'm really excited to share that we have um, one of your clients with us on the line, uh, Rita, and um, we, she was so gracious to uh, join us today and share a little bit about her experience with this type of speech therapy. And um, so, Rita, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, welcome, Rita. Thank you so much for being Thank here you. today. Thank um, you. I would love to have you share a little bit about how your view of speech therapy has uh, changed over the years after you have worked with Gail here at TAG. Yeah, uh, I'm going to start by saying that we um, started working with Gail uh, when we started the RDI so around the same time. And uh, my whole view of autism was totally different than how I see autism today. Um, when we started, Michael was uh, a little bit over three years old, and I was so consumed by the fact that he's not talking yet, and I wanted to hear his voice, and I wanted to be able to have that exchange of communication with him, that I was expecting a speech therapy to work directly on that. Um, but then over the time, I realized that there are uh, way more things that we need to work on to build that foundation of speech, um, not speech, but communication in general. Um, so um, it took time for me to change, but I'm happy that I waited. And now I'm seeing that my son has uh, thoughts that he wants to share with me, that he has ideas that he wants to contribute to everything that we are doing together. So speech therapy, the RDI way, um, is totally different than the traditional speech therapy uh, because we have to build first the the relationship um, with the therapist, with the person that he is working with in order for him to be motivated to share what he he wants and what he has to say. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. What I love about what you just shared, Rita, is that you completely understand it. You're extremely knowledgeable, and it sounds like you're really empowered to understand what your goals are for your child and um, and to really know what's important to focus on um, and what's important to your family and what's important to you. And, um, you know, I think that's something that is so essential to our programs here and that we include parents and you're yeah. able to articulate that so beautifully. And it's because of all the time that you've spent with Gail, you know, in the sessions and learning about exactly. what our philosophy is. Yeah. I mean, I want to share with parents that want to start the RDI is that it, um, it's totally different and you're not going to expect results right away. Because the neurotypical kid takes a whole year of his life, you know, the first year of his life to build that connection with the, with the surroundings, with the environment, with the people around him before he starts verbalizing, before he starts talking. And uh, kids with autism didn't get the chance to um, build that uh, connection with the world around them and connection with people around them. So this is what speech therapy, um, the first year that we worked together, we, uh, we mainly worked on that, you know, building that connection and that relationship with the therapist. And it was very hard for me in the beginning because I, w- I was expecting Gail to model speech and, um, you know, to give him um, a script so he can memorize. But over the time, I realized that this is not what I want for my kids. I don't want him to memorize speech and whenever somebody asks him a question, he knows already the answer. 
I wanted him to think. I wanted him to share what his thoughts and learn from experiences. And this is what speech therapy, the RDI way, uh, gave me. You know, an opportunity to use every experience that my child is living as a foundation, you know, so he can have a thought that he wants to share. And his speech now, although we are still working on a lot of things, what I love about it is that it's genuine, it's um, authentic, it's always him. He didn't memorize anything. Um, he didn't learn it in a rote way. So it's coming perfectly and like other kids, how, you know, exactly how their speech progresses. His speech is progressing in the same way. Oh, that's just beautiful. It really does bring tears to my eyes hearing you share that uh, because that is so valuable and it shows that his brain is working, you know, in the way that we want it to. It's working dynamically and he's integrating information and he's being respected and valued as a human being. And um, because of all those things, he is able to share his own genuine and authentic thoughts. And, yeah. you know, the, it's amazing. Because he is thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that there are some people that don't believe that certain children are capable of thinking. Just because a child might have a different brain or a different way of processing. It doesn't mean that they can't learn to think. Mm -hmm. But I think the disservices, if we don't give them those opportunities to think, and all we're doing is feeding information to those children that allow them to spit out that information, then they're not having those opportunities to learn how to think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Rita. I really, really appreciate you being here and sharing your story and um, your experience. Oh, you're welcome. And I love RDI. I mean, I'm a very a huge advocate for everything you guys are doing. And I'm so fortunate and uh, happy that I found you guys so early in my journey. And I really want everybody to have the, you know, the, the knowledge that RDI therapy exists, and it's so different than anything else that we know about autism. It's natural. It, it works because if you want your kid to be independent when he's older and to be able to experience life the way we experience it, I think RDI will set that foundation for, all, for everything that I want for my kid, at least. Oh, thank you. We completely agree, and we believe that, uh, you know, with that support, your son is going to have a bright and beautiful future, and we're so excited that we have the opportunity, and we're blessed with the opportunity to support your family. Thank so. you. Okay, well, thank you. Have a wonderful day, and thank I'm sure we'll you. see you later. Bye, Rita. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, Gail. So um, one of the things that we've talked about and and Rita actually touched on um, was the importance of the emotional connection. And I really want to spend some time talking a little bit more about why this is so essential. I can't say enough about the emotional connection. You know, I guess people can do therapy without it, but... When there's no emotional connection, there's no relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, so many times when I first see kids, they're kind of shut down emotionally um, because it hasn't been an emphasis. 
And just being able to bring a smile to that child's face and to have that child genuinely, positively connect with me is such a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And from that comes everything else. Because mm-hmm. then once that child is, feels that positive emotion towards me, they want to spend time with me. They're motivated to interact with me. I'll never forget a meeting that I went to a while ago was for this little girl that was having her transition meeting to the school system. And I was there at the table with her mom and this teacher and another lady that worked with the child. And the little girl came with her mom and she was sitting on the floor and she came up to me and took my hand and pulled me down to the floor Mm -hmm. to play with her. Mm -hmm. Because she had a connection with me, and she was motivated to interact with me. You know, when these kids come here, um, and, and Chris, you, the OT program that we have here at TAG is the same way. These kids run down the hall mm-hmm. to our therapy rooms because they are so excited about being with us because they know that we are going to help them have fun and enjoy their time. And that's why we take the pressure off of them to respond in a specific way because we're focused on connecting with them. And that's where the motivation comes from. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. And I think it's so, so essential and really the core uh, value system of all of our programs here at TAG. And I should probably mention TAG. Um, you've mentioned it uh, a few times here today. And for those of you who don't know what TAG is, TAG is a local private agency in San Diego, California. And we offer comprehensive services to individuals of all ages with developmental and acquired delays. And um, TAG stands for Therapeutic Approach to Growth, which is uh, the same name as our show here today. So um, love for you to check us out um, and learn more about what we do. So um, let's spend a little time talking about the difference between your experience-based therapy and uh, traditional speech therapy. Well, all the therapy I do is based on experiences that the child and I have together. I think about activities that I want to do with the child and the communication comes out of the activity. It's not that I focus on communicating specifically, just communicating with the child and have them communicate with me. I'm always doing an activity so that we have an experience together and that's where the communication comes from. So, I mean, there's so many activities. One of my favorites is doing ink blots with clients. So I'll have different colors of paint that we squeeze out onto a piece of paper and then fold the paper in half and then open it up and it turns into whatever your imagination thinks it is. A lot of times it'll look like a butterfly or the other day I had one that looked like a bug. And I never get tired of doing these ink blots because you never know how they're going to turn out. And there's so much that can come out of an activity like that. For example, just opening the top of one of those paints might be something that the child can't do themselves. So that would be a perfect opportunity to work on referencing for help. Mm -hmm. Being able to choose what color they want is a way for them to contribute. They might do that verbally or non-verbally. They might say, I want blue. 
Um, they might, um, it's another good example. They might gaze at me in anticipation of my actions. We're talking about nonverbal communication. So maybe I'm holding the blue and they really want me to squirt it on the page. I'm not going to squirt it on the page until they gaze at me in anticipation. Then for a client that is verbal, we might talk about what the inkblot looks like. You know, um, Rita's son is a really good example of where he's at a stage where he verbally experienced shares. And it kind of reminds me of an activity that I just recently put together. Um, and it's experiencing um, finding shells and my rock collection that I dumped into a sensory bin. So the sensory bin has rice and beans in it. And then I hid my rock collection. My, they're not big rocks, little stones. And some shells that I had in the bin. And so he would go in there and pull out one of the one of the um, rocks, and he said something about it. I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. Oh, one was shaped as an egg, and he pulled it out and he said, "Chick." Oh, thinking about a chick, <laughs> maybe being in the egg. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. <laughs> And then I guess he just found a disc in there that there were some discs that we had. I don't even know how it got in there, but it said brown on it and it was brown. And I guess teaching kids the color brown. But, you know, in a dynamic way, we also work on things like teaching colors. And he said brown. And I said, yes, it is brown. And then he said black. And I said, I don't think it's black. So you can see how that was a back and forth. And I was giving him feedback. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And I love that it's just a natural process that you're staying in the moment and you're analyzing how the client is responding and then you're offering that dynamic response based on the feedback you're getting from the client. Right. And talk about emotional engagement. So then I found a rock in the bin mm -hmm. and I stuck it in the hood of his sweatshirt. Uh -huh. And he's saying, what was that? And then he started giggling. <laughs> based on something that I did and you know I said oh I just put that rock in there for fun and then after we got all of the rocks and shells out he said he wanted to do it again but this time instead of putting the rocks and shells in the basket his idea was to put them on the ground mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. shared that oh that's wonderful that's wonderful and that's a perfect example of focusing on the experience together in the relationship and giving the child that opportunity to respond in their own way um, rather than a scripted way. So I love those examples. So with that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and we'll come back and provide some more examples. So we'll be back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Transformational healing includes energy medicine as well as hands-on healing. Tune in every week to Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow. If you want to know more about the business and science of energy fields, chakras, and the medical and spiritual community, join our expert guests as we work together to bring you closer to your personal health vision. Transformational Healing is heard live every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Biohacking for Health is working with your individual biology to gain access to and control over the systems within your body. It allows you to explore your biology and improve health and wellness. Each of us has unique genetic profiles and physiology that require individualized approaches. On Biohacking for Optimal Health, Dr. Daniel Stickler and his expert guests provide a roadmap to navigate the world of biohacking human potential. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Therapeutic Approach to Growth. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also reach Brooke Wagner via email to bwagner at tagforgrowth.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. It's Brooke Wagner here, host, and I have Gail Ludwig with me, a licensed speech and language pathologist. And... Gail, one of the things that uh, we were able to touch briefly on when Rita was on the phone was um, including parents in the sessions and also um, consulting with the parents. And uh, I think it would be really important to talk about that because it's not very common that you see parents involved in sessions uh, in a speech therapy practice. A lot of times they're expected to wait in the waiting room. And um, I think that kind of sets us apart here at TAG. And I think it would be important to share why we do so and how we do so. Yes, it's very rare that I have a speech therapy session without a parent in the room. Um, I always explain to parents what I'm working on with a child and, you know, the specific goal and how I'm going about supporting the child, as well as giving parents specific ideas of what they can do at home, which is often very similar to what I'm doing in the clinic. So one of my favorite things to do with clients is make magic soup (laughs) and magic soup is just taking all kinds of ingredients and putting them into a bowl. I start with a little water and we add food coloring and we might add baking soda and some vinegar and then it bubbles. And a lot of times with an activity like that, I get the parent involved too. And so Mm -hmm. we're all working together with the child. And one of the most beautiful things for me is when that child is able to sit there and read his son did this and they gaze at me and then they gaze at their parent and we're all smiling and emotionally connecting and verbally sharing or non-verbally sharing and it's just mm-hmm. a beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when the parents see how I facilitate it here in the clinic, then they can go home and do something similar. They feel competent to go and do it at home Mm -hmm. and to give the child more opportunities. And there are times during a session where I'll say, your child needs a lot more practice at this particular thing. And referencing for help is one of those that I frequently Mm -hmm. will tell the parent that this child needs multiple opportunities to practice this during the day. Mm -hmm. And the way to do it is to wait instead Mm -hmm. of just helping your child. Because Mm -hmm. parents want to be helpful to their child. Parents want to see their child be successful. And so a lot of times I'll say, I know you want to help your child, but this is a time when your child's going to grow if you wait. Mm -hmm. And so by me demonstrating that 
then they feel empowered to go and try it at home. It's not always, it's, not, it's often not about what I do with the child in speech therapy. It's more about what I teach the parents that they can go and do at home. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so important to share. I think that, you know, what you're ultimately doing is guiding them to integrate it into their daily life. Exactly. And that's going to carry over uh, so much more than just seeing you once a week. Um, giving them all those opportunities so they could have several a day as opposed to just a few a week. So I think that's essential. And I love the fact that the parents, as a result, become empowered and really learn to understand how their child is processing and where they're breaking down and then can support them and feel successful and competent in supporting them. So many times the model is one of taking your child out for services. Mm-hmm. and thinking that those services are going to remediate or get your child to the next level. Mm-hmm. When in fact, your child is going to progress a lot quicker and a lot further if it's a lifestyle. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's essential. Um, and I like that what you're doing with the families is giving them assignments to work on, um, giving them very specific things that are tangible to focus on at home. So it's very clear as to what they're working on and why. So uh, I think that's something that definitely sets us apart here at uh, TAG and our speech therapy programs. I, I met a girl um, this past weekend whose son is going to uh, speech therapy and she shared that uh, she's having to stay in the waiting room and she um, had, did not have a clue of what they're working on with her, her son. And um, I had a chance to share, you know, how important it is to be a part of those sessions and, and um, understand what to do uh, when you're at home and these natural opportunities are presenting themselves. The other thing that I do is um, I send the therapy notes to the parents And oftentimes Mm -hmm. in the note, it will say what I'd like them to work on at Mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. That's just another nice follow-up and support to the families. Um, So let's talk a little bit about uh, who would benefit from this type of approach. I think any child that is struggling to authentically communicate. I think that the challenge is for the parents to understand what I'm doing, just like Rita said. Because parents expect results, and results are not going to come quickly with this type of approach. Mm-hmm. The child can benefit, but we often say that our philosophy here using RDI isn't a match for every family, because some families are looking for something different. But if you're looking for your child to be able to think for himself and be able to share authentic thoughts, ideas, opinions, memories, plans for the future, then this kind of speech therapy is for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Thought has to come before communication. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just scripting. Right. Right. It's almost a false sense of accomplishment without the thought. Right. And I think it's it's something that's really important to address. So that we ensure that our clients are thinking. We want our clients to think and respond authentically. And we also want the clients to think about us as well as themselves Mm -hmm. because it's a back and forth. Communication is a back and forth. Right. And I just was reading this amazing article on theory of mind, which is all about perspective taking and how communication is so tied to perspective taking. Mm -hmm. You know, a child that comes to you and just blurts out facts on his favorite topic is not communicating. Right. 
It's the back and forth. It's understanding the perspective of the person you're talking to and responding to what they're thinking, what they're saying, both verbally and non-verbally. Right. And that is such a complex process and dynamic process. It is. And it starts with a child understanding the back and forth. Right. Right. Just like an infant would. Right. At a very, very simple level. Um, Wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, I think that... um, one of the key things, too, that you do here at TAG is work with long-distance clients. And I love that that's available now with technology and um, the Internet, and we have the ability to do so. So it would be great to share a little bit about some of your long-distance clients and, and how you do therapy with them. Well, first and foremost, with a long-distance client, um, and I guess this is a, this is a difficult thing to talk about because I do want to respect where the parents are coming from. And so I'm thinking of an example right now where the parents came to me and said, I can't understand what my child is saying. So we really weren't talking about the back and forth there. We were talking more about what the parent was coming to me for. They wanted to understand what their child was saying. And so I was able to help them learn how to give their child feedback, such as, I can't hear you. Mm -hmm. It seems like you're talking too fast to help the child, again, see their perspective and slow down and talk louder. And the interesting thing about this particular client is that once we were able to understand more of what he was saying, the parents discovered we needed to work on the thinking Mm. and the back and forth. Mm -hmm. So it was a progression for them to first address, I want to understand what my child's saying, and then to go to, okay, now that we understand, we see that there are breakdowns in his thinking and his ability to carry on a back and forth conversation. Mm. And so it's, it's interesting to do long distance, but actually, in some ways, it can be very similar to face-to-face with Skype and FaceTime now, because mm-hmm. I, I even have therapy sessions with the client when we're doing um, work on Skype, because mm-hmm. you can. I've had dance parties <laughs> Um, over Skype where we had music and we were both dancing and people would walk by my office and they'd see me dancing to myself, to my computer. And, you know, and we were working on that back and forth. We've had sessions where we've done stretching and yoga moves and back and forth. And it's amazing what you can do on Skype today. So it's not only parent consultation. It's also direct work with clients that I can do on long distance now. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I love that um, as you're on Skype with your clients, you know, you're getting them moving and engaging and sharing emotionally. And um, even though you're, you have a computer in front of you, you're still focusing on that emotional connection. Right. I remember an example of a time where you were um, bringing hats to the office and trying <laughs> Right. Trying on different hats and sharing opinions about the different hats, and uh-huh. um, I'll never forget that all your uh, various hats that you brought and how dynamic that process was. So, you know, I think that's so important to 
to share that even though you have a computer and you're working through Skype, you're not statically focusing on goals. Right. Uh, you're still in a dynamic mind frame. And some of my clients that are long distance have tutors or aides, and I get mm-hmm. them involved in the sessions too. We just had a session the other day with the client, his aide, and myself, and we were all doing, what were we doing? We were dancing with a scarf mm-hmm. and having different, coming up with different ideas of how we could dance with our scarves. Wow. Wow. All through really the computer. And that's right. And amazing. it was all nonverbal and all working on that back and forth and taking turns and um, coming up with new ideas. Absolutely. Absolutely. We should probably share too what you're doing to support the aide in uh, supporting him okay. in person. Right. And so with her, she will send me videos mm. of her interactions with the client and I will give her feedback. Um, we will focus on how she's communicating um, because with the RDI approach to speech therapy, we don't ask questions or give directives. We make statements. And so I will help um, her give her feedback about her communication and help her take the pressure off of the client. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes data sheets are involved and reflecting herself on her work and then sharing with me. And mm-hmm. um, there's a lot that we can do to support aides and parents mm-hmm. and clients long distance. Absolutely. I love that you brought up videos too, because that's something else that um, we could likely do is have parents videotape uh, some of their work on your assignments if they're a long-distance family. Absolutely. And, and then this family does that I was talking about. The parent mm-hmm. does sub- submit videos. And, in fact, this is a situation where I'm working with another RDI consultant, and the other R- the RDI consultant was doing an assessment and sent me her work with the client and wanted my feedback from mm-hmm. a communication standpoint. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And that just really shows that it is possible to work uh, at a, in a long-distance manner and right. to provide a comprehensive program. And it's also very possible to collaborate with other professionals that are on site or mm-hmm. may also be working with the client long-distance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And um, I think that um, it may be important to just share briefly um, about uh, you know a few things that families commonly come to you for. Well, I think that they typically will come to me because they want their child to communicate or speak more clearly. Mm -hmm. Because that's what a traditional speech therapist does. But it's often very interesting because once the, if the, if the parents are in the right mindset and they can understand that I'm looking at more of the big picture of their child's ability to truly genuinely communicate then it becomes much more than that. Mm-hmm. It becomes so much more than just speaking clearly and verbally communicating. Absolutely. It becomes a bit much more about, you know, true, genuine, back-and-forth communication. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I think that what's so important is that you're respecting where the parents are coming from and guiding them to the place that, you know, we would value um, through the process and making sure that we're uh, addressing their concerns, but also looking at it from a developmental perspective and a relationship-focused perspective. So, And a lot of times we're able to bring clients and families far beyond where they thought they could ever go. Mm-hmm. 
So it's so rewarding, and this was just a wonderful conversation today, and I'm so excited we had this time to spend talking about the speech therapy programs here at TAG and how they're they're different and um, just an, a beautiful process to be a part of. So Yeah, and what I didn't get to say is that, you know, being a speech therapist for 33 years, my work at TAG for the last eight years has the, been the most valuable, the most exciting, the most rewarding work that I've done. Oh, well, we love having you here, Gail, and just really appreciate all of the knowledge that you bring to TAG and your clients, and thank you so much for being here, and um, everybody, have a wonderful day, and we'll be back next Tuesday at 11 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you again for listening. Be sure to tune in to Therapeutic Approach to Growth and join Brooke Wagner again every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.